Section number two of an essay concerning human understanding, book three, of words, by John Locke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter two of the signification of words. One. Words are sensible signs necessary for communication of ideas. Man, though he have great variety of thoughts, and such from which others as well as himself might receive profit and delight, yet they are all within his own breast, invisible and hidden from others, nor can of themselves be made to appear the comfort and advantage of society not being to be had without communication of thoughts it was necessary that man should find out some external sensible signs whereof those invisible ideas which his thoughts are made up of might be known to others for this purpose nothing was so fit either for plenty or quickness as those articulate sounds which with so much ease and variety he found himself able to make thus we may conceive how words which were by nature so well adapted to that purpose came to be made use of by men as the signs of their ideas not by any natural connection that there is between particular articulate sounds and certain ideas for then there would be but one language amongst all men but by a voluntary imposition whereby such a word is made arbitrarily the mark of such an idea the use then of words is to be sensible marks of ideas and the ideas they stand for are their proper and immediate signification Two words in their immediate signification are the sensible signs of his ideas who uses them the use men have of these marks being either to record their own thoughts for the assistance of their own memory or as it were to bring out their ideas and lay them before the view of others words in their primary or immediate signification stand for nothing but the ideas in the mind of him that uses them how imperfectly soever or carelessly those ideas are collected from the things which they are supposed to represent when a man speaks to another it is that he may be understood and the end of speech is that those sounds as marks may make known his ideas to the hearer that then which words are the marks of are the ideas of the speaker nor can any one apply them as marks immediately to anything else but the ideas that he himself hath for this would be to make them signs of his own conceptions and yet apply them to other ideas which would be to make them signs and not signs of his ideas at the same time and so in effect to have no signification at all words being voluntary signs 
they cannot be voluntary signs imposed by him on things he knows not that would be to make them signs of nothing sounds without signification a man may make his words the signs either of qualities in things or of conceptions in the mind of another whereof he has none in his own till he has some ideas of his own he cannot suppose them to correspond with the conceptions of another man nor can he use any signs for them for thus they would be the signs of he knows not what which is in truth to be the signs of nothing but when he represents to himself other men's ideas by some of his own if he consents to give them the same names that other men do it is still to his own ideas to ideas that he has and not to ideas that he has not three examples of this this is so necessary in the use of language that in this respect the knowing and the ignorant the learned and the unlearned use the words they speak with any meaning all alike they in every man's mouth stand for the ideas he has and which he would express by them a child having taken notice of nothing in the metal he hears called gold but the bright shining yellow color he applies the word gold only to his own idea of that color and nothing else and therefore calls the same color in a peacock's tail gold another that hath better observed adds to shining yellow great weight and then the sound gold when he uses it stands for a complex idea of a shining yellow and a very weighty substance another adds to those qualities fusibility and then the word gold signifies to him a body bright yellow fusible and very heavy another adds malleability each of these uses equally the word gold when they have occasion to express the idea which they have applied it to but it is evident that each can apply it only to his own idea nor can he make it stand as a sign of such a complex idea he has not four words are often secretly referred first to the idea supposed to be in other men's minds but though words as they are used by men can properly and immediately signify nothing but the ideas that are in the mind of the speaker yet they in their thoughts give them a secret reference to two other things first they suppose their words to be marks of the ideas in the minds also of other men with whom they communicate for else they should talk in vain and could not be understood if the sounds they applied to one idea were such as by the hearer were applied to another which is to speak two languages but in this men stand not usually to examine 
whether the idea they and those they discourse with have in their minds be the same but think it enough that they use the word as they imagine in the common acceptation of that language in which they suppose that the idea they make it a sign of is precisely the same to which the understanding men of that country apply that name five secondly to the reality of things secondly because men would not be thought to talk barely of their own imagination but of things as really they are therefore they often suppose the words to stand also for the reality of things but this relating more particularly to substances and their names as perhaps the former does to simple ideas and modes we shall speak of these two different ways of applying words more at large when we come to treat of the names of mixed modes and substances in particular though give me leave here to say that it is a perverting the use of words and brings unavoidable obscurity and confusion into their signification whenever we make them stand for anything but those ideas we have in our own minds six words by use readily excite ideas of their objects concerning words also it is further to be considered first that they being immediately the sign of men's ideas and by that means the instruments whereby men communicate their conceptions and express to one another those thoughts and imaginations they have within their own breasts there comes by constant use to be such a connection between certain sounds and the ideas they stand for that the names heard almost as readily excite certain ideas as if the objects themselves which are apt to produce them did actually affect the senses which is manifestly so in all obvious sensible qualities and in all substances that frequently and familiarly occur to us seven words are often used without signification and why secondly that though the proper and immediate signification of words are ideas in the mind of the speaker yet because by familiar use from our cradles we come to learn certain articulate sounds very perfectly and have them readily on our tongues and always at hand in our memories but yet are not always careful to examine or settle their significations perfectly it often happens that men even when they would apply themselves to an attentive consideration do set their thoughts more on words than things nay because words are many of them learned before the ideas are known for which they stand therefore some not only children but men speak several words no otherwise than parrots do only because they have learned them and have been accustomed to those sounds but so far as words are of use and signification 
so far is there a constant connection between the sound and the idea and a designation that the one stands for the other without which application of them they are nothing but so much insignificant noise eight their signification perfectly arbitrary not the consequence of a natural connection words by long and familiar use as have been said come to excite in men certain ideas so constantly and readily that they are apt to suppose a natural connection between them but that they signify only men's peculiar ideas and that by a perfect arbitrary imposition is evident in that they often fail to excite in others even that use the same language the same ideas we take them to be signs of and every man has so inviolable a liberty to make words stand for what ideas he pleases that no one hath the power to make others have the same ideas in their minds that he has when they use the same words that he does and therefore the great augustus himself in the possession of that power which ruled the world acknowledged he could not make a new latin word which was as much as to say that he could not arbitrarily appoint what idea any sound should be a sign of in the mouths and common language of his subjects it is true common use by a tacit consent appropriates certain sounds to certain ideas in all languages which so far limits the signification of that sound that unless a man applies it to the same idea he does not speak properly and let me add that unless a man's words excite the same ideas in the hearer which he makes them stand for in speaking he does not speak intelligibly but whatever be the consequences of any man's using the words differently either from their general meaning or the particular sense of the person to whom he addresses them this is certain their signification in his use of them is limited to his ideas and they can be signs of nothing else End of section 2